normal. <laughs> and nobody wants that. And the second problem is, is the next week, he would replace me as the preacher. And so we just don't want that to happen. So what we're going to do is, you're just going to be stuck with me. Uh, and maybe uh, we can make it through another Sunday. My stopwatch is not going to work this morning, so I'm feeling pretty good. It's a new year. Not, okay, if you have your songbooks, if you go ahead and mark in your songbooks page 922, that is going to be the song of invitation. As you can guess, for those of you who are familiar uh, with the Church of Christ and typically how we do our order of worship, uh, this is quite different than normal. You're thinking, wait, we missed something, and we, we did a little bit, but mainly we just postponed it for a few moments. The stopwatch is working, so we're now on the clock, so I better get going. So hang in there. We're still going to get everything squeezed in. We're just going to do it in a different order. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. 10% of life is what is given to you, and the other 90% is what you make of it. Everything hurts, and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. If it's not worth dying for, then it's not worth living for. About 25 years ago, I adopted many of those quotes, those phrases, and tried in some ways to implement them into my life. Now, I wasn't really good at it, but I tried to hold on to those quotes. In fact, I wrote them down, I carried them in my wallet, and on occasion I would pull them out and read them and say, okay, here's some things that I really want to live by. And since then, I've added a few here and there. But one of the quotes that I, I adopted just a few years ago that I really like is this. The key to a happy life is a bad memory. <laughs> I love that quote. I love that quote because when I read that, if the key to a happy life is a bad memory, then I'm just almost certain that I'm the happiest guy in the tri-state area. I mean, you talk about people with bad memories. I have a really, really bad memory. And you think, oh, Doug, you're only in your 40s. I'm blushing. I am. I'm young. Now, I should not have memory issues. But I've had memory problems since I was a little kid. I would forget things and forget things. I can remember uh, sitting around in the locker room on the basketball team. I use the word loosely, on the basketball team. I was on the bench while the rest of the team played, but I was there. And we would sit in the locker room and we would talk about games and we'd talk about teams and we'd talk about scores and we'd talk about all their players and, and they can remember all the details. I couldn't remember how many games we had played. I couldn't tell you our win-loss record. I just, I really struggled to remember things. In fact, not long after that, uh, we decided that maybe there was some, some kind of uh, natural medication that I could take that would help me with my memory. Honest to goodness, I didn't take it. Why? Because I kept forgetting. <laughs> it was just one of those things. It has plagued me throughout my life. Even now, before I leave the house, I have to count to ten. Not because I'm upset, not because I need to cool down, but because there are ten things that I carry on my body that I don't want to leave home without. 
the keys, the wallet, the phone, the glasses, the wedding ring, the watch, the pocket knife, chapstick, gum. I think I got the pen. I have to have all of those. And if I don't count to ten and point them all out, I'm going to leave the house with at least five of them scattered somewhere else. And so I think that maybe being a happy person just means that I need to have a bad memory. And really, there are a lot of pluses to having a bad memory. I can watch a movie over and over again, and I can love it just like it was the first time that I saw it. I can't tell you how many times I've read a book, and about halfway through I get there, I go, I think I may have read this book once before. I can read books, I can watch movies, I can hear jokes for the second, third, or fourth time, and they're just as funny as the very first time because I didn't remember hearing them once before. Another good reason it's good to have a bad memory is that it's hard to hold a grudge when you can't remember what somebody did against you. Not only that, I find worrying very hard to do because I just forget about the things that I'm supposed to be worrying about. So it's not that I'm generally a happy person as much as I'm just a clueless person walking through life. And so it makes me a little happy. But to be honest, there are some downsides to not having a good memory. I forget simple things. You can ask Jennifer why it's bad that I have a bad memory. I forget simple things like when to eat. Oftentimes, I'm halfway through the day and I think, oh man, I was supposed to go to lunch. I need to go eat lunch. About 95% of the time, I will sit down to a meal. And once I sit down and I've been eating for a couple minutes, I realize, oops, I forgot to get a drink. I do that all the time. I forget things. I forget important things like when to pick up my kids from school. Uh, That's gotten me in a little bit of trouble. I actually have a, uh, an app on my phone that is constantly dinging, reminding me to do things. Most of the time when I'm having a conversation with you, what I, the last thing I want to do is have to look at my phone. But if you are giving me some kind of information, I have to pull out my phone and I have to type it in and I have to say, okay, remind me tomorrow I need to do this. So maybe having a bad memory isn't such a good thing at all because walking around with little remembrance of the past does not promote a healthy future. So it's time for another suitcase sermon. Well, that's what a preacher says when it's time for him to leave. He says, well, I'm going to give my suitcase sermon. I don't know if I've shared that joke before. I forgot. But anyway, I literally am having a suitcase sermon and I don't know if I've done this before. Some of you may be familiar with this. I don't know that I can pick it up. I'm going to try to. This was in my attic, and I drug it out of the attic. This is an old, old suitcase, and it weighs probably between 40 and 50 pounds. I have this suitcase because I have a bad memory. And there are things in my life I don't want to forget. And so every once in a while, I'll save a card, a piece of paper, a trinket, something, and it will eventually make its way into the suitcase of memories. If my house were to burn down, the first five things I want out of the house is me and my family. There's a tie for sixth place between this suitcase and my dog. 
That's how much I love this suitcase. This is really special to me. This right here says, warning, keep all flammable materials out of furnace room. This is special to me because I peeled this off the wall of the church building that I grew up in. I, I wasn't stealing it. The church burned down. This was one of the things that was left that I kept. I remember climbing through that as a 15-year-old on spring break trying to salvage some things. This right here is a folder that has a bunch of different letters. I happened to open up to one that was from Jennifer. This is mainly uh, a, a binder of letters and cards from girlfriends. And when I say girlfriends, what I actually mean is females who were friends. I would call them girlfriends. They would call me the awkward, weird guy who followed them around and would never stop talking. But I look through these, I glance through these. A lot of them are these, the Dear John letters. Like, I'm sorry, it's not you, it's me type of letters. Okay, or, or what the, the kids call today, these are the friend zone statements that say, we're just friends, right? I have lots of these uh, in here. This is a scrapbook that I made uh, when I was uh, younger. I think, uh, actually, my mom made it for me as I was graduating from high school. Uh, and it has different titles for every page I was flipping through here. Uh, here's one page that is called Ramps. Because that's what I did when I was a kid. Uh, and I have lots and lots of pictures of this. There's the 1978 Honda that me and my two brothers and my parents made trips in. And I'd forgotten all about that car and all the horrible memories I had of riding in the backseat of a hatchback from all the way from Arlington to Pecos, Texas. What kind of family goes to Pecos for a vacation? The answer is mine. Lots of different things. I have a Velcro wallet when I was a kid. This is something most of you probably don't recognize, some of you younger guys. This is called a cassette tape, okay? This is a mixed tape. For those of you, when you were younger, you remember there was a song coming on the radio. You would run over to the radio and you would hit record and play at the same time. And so you could record that song and play it back. This one actually has... Um, Pachelbel's Canon in D. Now that's an odd song, but this is the, the tape that we used when Jennifer and I got married. So this thing is coming up on 19 years old. Bunch of more memories. None of the stuff in here is worth anything to anyone except me. To have those memories. To remember my life. Can you think back on some of your memories? I mean, this is the best time to do it. You've just come off of spending time with family. How many of you remember this right here? Does anybody remember that right there? It's a little blurry. It's a little fuzzy. But somebody in here should remember that picture. Does it jog any memories? Frida's smiling a little bit. Lynn's just jealous because that little baby has more hair on his head than he does. But if you think back far enough, Lynn, that's your little boy. I don't want to say he's your favorite, but he's at least in the top three. He may or may not be behind Chad or Heath. It just depends. This is a picture of Brett Blackman when he was a baby. 
Brett doesn't remember that picture. Well, he may remember the picture. He doesn't remember that moment. Although I think he does still have some suspenders that are just like that. How about this picture? Does anybody remember this picture? Somebody just chuckled. Who is this? Raise your hand if you think this is you. Jack raises his hand. You know, I feel really good about this picture. Of course, uh, you don't, if you're seeing this picture, you don't know that you're in here. I contacted a few folks and I said, will you send me a picture of this? This is a picture of Jack Robertson in 1975. It's a great day because that was the year that I was born. And so Jack, I believe, was seven years old at the time. He's looking pretty snazzy in that, that tie. Do you remember that picture? Here's what's interesting about that picture. For those of you who are younger, what you probably don't know is that he is not outside. I don't know why they did this, but back when we were growing up, they always wanted to pretend you were outside, and so they would pull down this backdrop of some kind of scene And then they would have a little prop that made you think that you were outside. But he was inside. He was in a studio. He might have been inside the studio of Sears or Kmart or something like that. And they would have taken that picture back then. How about this picture? Okay. Uh, This is a picture of Julie and Adriana. This picture was clearly taken in Hobbs because you can see all the greenery. Where were you guys when this picture was taken? Okinawa. Is that in Texas? (laughs) A little further east than that, a few thousand miles east. They were in Okinawa, Japan. Uh, For those of you who missed out on hearing uh, Julian speak a couple Wednesday nights ago, I say this in the nicest way, you really, really missed out. Um, In fact, there was already rumors of we found our next preacher, and they're thinking about bringing him up. He did a fantastic job. He talked about the Marines, and he talked about how that corresponds with our spiritual life and the warfare that goes on, and how we're not supposed to be complacent. It was a fantastic sermon. Uh, uh, I'm going to wait a few more months until everybody's kind of, uh, you know, put it in the back of their mind, their mind and I'm going to re-preach it as though it was my own material. He did a fantastic job. This was just, they spent three and a half years uh, in Japan uh, while he was uh, serving in the Marine Corps. Uh, and this is, where are y'all? <laughs> I, I bet you miss Japan, don't you? <laughs> I love being in the desert. I mean the high plains of New Mexico. How about this picture right here? Anybody know who this is? Okay, so where were you? <laughs> yeah, I don't recognize it. Karen and I were talking about this, and we didn't know a whole lot about this, but one thing we guessed was it had to be one of the, the kids when they were younger who took the picture. Because you can tell that the camera was pointing nearly straight up. So I don't know if it was Ryan or Sarah, but, but there's a picture of, of Brad... Uh, just a a few years ago. We'll say a few years ago. Okay, how about this one right here? 
Does anybody recognize this picture? Carolyn and Norm. Uh, this was around uh, their wedding. Um, oddly enough, they got married at a very, 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 very young age. It had to be, because this picture was taken about 60 years ago. That's right, and I think you just turned 63, is that right? So, I mean, you just, it must have been an arranged marriage. But this is ta- a picture that was taken about 60 years ago. You know, we could spend all day going through these. And as you look at these pictures, you think of Okinawa, you think of little kids running around that are about knee high, you think about your wedding, you think about uh, growing up uh, as a little child, all these different things. God calls us to remember. In fact, if you look in the New Testament, 231 times, the word remember is used. If you also look, you will find that the word forget occurs only 64 times. However, most of those times when the word forget is used, it's used in the negative. When Joshua would say, do not forget. God calls us to remember. He calls us to remember by instilling laws for the Old Testament people when he would say, remember the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not set up to, so you could lay around and be lazy. The Sabbath was a day to put aside everything else and to remember. Remember your God to remember your family, remember how He faithfully called you out of the wilderness. It was the Sabbath. It was created for such. God uses the rainbow to remind both Himself and to us of the promise that He made. If you look throughout the Old Testament, you're going to see over and over again these feasts. And actually, we're going to be studying these pretty soon. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles, and of course, the Passover. This Feast of unleavened bread in which the people were called to stop what they were doing and they were to remember. Almost in some ways they were to recreate when they were in Egypt and to remember that God led them out. God calls His people not only to feast, but He calls them to build altars. Well, what exactly is an altar? It's just an opportunity for people to remember. I want to share quickly one story with you from Joshua chapter 22. Some of you may be familiar with this story. This is after God has allowed the Israelites to go through Canaan and they they overtook all their enemies Uh, Starting with Ai, they went through, and of course we have the more famous story of Jericho, and over and over again we have story where God allowed His people to come in and take possession of the land that He had promised to them. And the fighting was over, and they were dispersing the land, and the people were getting ready to go back. Well, if you'll remember, 
about three quarters of the land that was given to them was on the west side of the Jordan. But also, if you crossed over onto the east side, there was another smaller sliver of land that also was given to them by God. And that land was to be taken by the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. The fighting was over. They were splitting up the land. And it was time for the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh to cross over the river and go into the land that would be theirs. But you'll remember that the the fighting started after they crossed over the Jordan. They went from the east over to the west into Canaan. They took it. And now the Reubenites, Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh, we're going to go back over the river to the east. So there was this bit of separation. And they were concerned that both they and their brothers living on the west of the Jordan might forget that they too were Israelites. So after they crossed the river, an altar had been built on the west side showing that God had given them the land. They said, we are going to recreate an altar. We're going to make an altar just like that one. So that we don't forget and that they don't forget and that our children don't forget that this land was given to us by God. They build an altar. The people west of the Jordan... They start looking and they see this structure being built. And they say what? Oh, no. Look what God did for us. He brought us out of Egypt. He brought us through the desert. He allowed us to conquer our enemies. He gave us this land. And our knucklehead brothers have crossed the river. And they've already started to build an altar to another god. And they said, we thought war was over, but it ain't over. And the nine and a half tribes on the west of the Jordan said, let's get ready for war. And they start gathering up their materials and they're going to go over the river and they are going to destroy their brothers and sisters that they had fought with. That they had fought side by side. Because they said, we will not do this. Well, thankfully, there was a conversation that took place before swords were drawn. And they went over and they said, I can't believe that you did this. We just got settled in the land. And now you're worshiping other gods. And the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh said, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Far be it from us to worship any God except the God of our forefathers. And they said, we built this so we would not forget. Joshua chapter 22 recounts this. I love how they said this. And they were glad to hear the report and they praised God. And they talked no more about going to war against them to devastate the country where the Reubenites and the Gadites lived. And the Reubenites and the Gadites gave the altar this name, a witness between us that the Lord is God. We are called 
to remember. Now some of you may have a bad memory. Maybe some of you are like me and you count the items that go in your pocket before you leave the house. Maybe sometimes you forget to eat. Maybe sometimes you you get busy and you forget your kids. God calls us to remember. We are here this morning to remember. In just a moment, we are going to do something that we have done for years and years and years. We are going to take an opportunity to break bread together. So if you are serving in that capacity, I'm going to ask if you would go ahead and go to the back and prepare uh, for the communion that we're about to take. Also, if you have one of those cute little kids that ran up here and sang and then headed out, I'm going to ask, if you don't mind, would you go retrieve those kids? We want to spend our time together around the table as a family. Nearly every Sunday, I have a conversation with my four-year-old daughter, Gracie. And it always happens around communion time. And, and some of you may look over and say, why is he always talking during communion? I have a four-year-old daughter who nearly every week sees all the, the crackers go by and the juice go by. And she says, Daddy, I want some crackers. Mama, I want some of that juice. And there's nothing sacred about the crackers. There's nothing holy about the juice. And I could easily say, help yourself. Take two. But instead, we have a conversation. Honey, we do this because we want to remember what Jesus did for us. And someday, this is going to be really, really special. And I just want you to wait. Because I want you to be able to remember what he did for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 talks about this breaking of the bread together and that we are all one loaf. And because we are one loaf, we all partake of that one loaf of bread. We are one body. One chapter later, in chapter 11, Paul is going to go on to say this. He says, For what I received from the Lord, I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper was over, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So this morning, as we prepare, we're going to remember... And in just a moment, Jack is going to come up and he's going to lead us in thoughts not only about remembering our past, but also about the future that God has in store for us. Jack? 